Hey everybody, welcome to Answer the Call. I'm Kelsey Kemp. This is a podcast for high-performing Christian professionals who want to find their calling and lead an incredible career that's aligned with it, so you can make an impact for the kingdom in the decades of work ahead. This week, we get the honor of learning from my friend Patrick Farrell, who I personally look up to so much as an entrepreneur and man of God. I got to meet Patrick this last summer and was immediately struck by how clearly and consistently he hears from God and also by the presence of the Holy Spirit that he almost tangibly, I'm not kidding, (laughs) carries into the room with him wherever he goes. And so that's why I knew it would be such a gift for you to get to learn from him too, as in this episode, he shares how to hear from God and make spirit-led life and career decisions with him. And in this conversation, you'll get to hear some really personal stories and testimonies from us both. So I pray that this blesses you and encourages you in your walk with the Lord and also in your career direction and the calling that God has on your life. And if you have any questions or want further support in your faith after this episode, please don't hesitate for a second to reach out to me on Instagram anytime at Kelsey underscore the called career. Also, don't forget to check in the show notes because Patrick left some recommendations and some links for other resources just to help you in your faith and other things that we talked about along the lines of this conversation. All right, enjoy this episode with Patrick. Three, two. I figured I would actually do the Joe Rogan thing since we were just joking about it. So yeah, Patrick, have to do it now. I have to do it. Am I just going to do it every time? I feel like that couldn't be funny or ironic. It would just be a copy. Anyway, the Enneagram 4 in me is kind of going down a deep hole. Hi, yeah. Patrick. I'm so glad that you're here. Yeah. Um, let's kick it off with a little introduction. Um, so where do you live? And tell me more about your work with Keystone Collective. Yeah, your Enneagram 4 and you needs to be a little bit more dramatic and something more Drama. independent in order 100%. to you know, really fix that, fit that profile. So thank you so <laughs> much for acknowledging me for my inner needs. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm Patrick Farrell. Um, nice to meet us or meet anybody on, on the podcast, but nice to meet everybody or people who are meeting me. Um, Especially but... if you're on Spotify. Wow, that's another Joe move to be on video podcasts on Spotify. So it would be like more of a family meeting, you know, they're watching us. So if you're on Apple, maybe abandon it. That's just a little recommendation. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So yeah, um, um, I'm here in Washington, DC. I'm the executive director and co-founder of an angel network called Potomac Angel Capital. I'm also the founder and CEO of a consulting business called Keystone Collective. Um, Born and raised here in the DC area, left for college, went to Vanderbilt University, came back, um, avid DC sports fan. um, And yeah, that's a little about me. Okay. I usually love it when somebody throws out a personal detail because I could just banter about that, but sports just took a hard turn that I cannot track with. So um, let's just go into your career story a little bit more to get an overview of your journey from college to where you're at now, just so the listeners can get to know your context a little bit more. And then I would love to specifically learn from you more about what is so fascinating and inspiring to me about you is that you're just so in tune with the Holy Spirit and have really made um, 
I don't know. I, when, from the time that I met you, I just thought, wow, this is a person that listens to the Lord in a real conversation, in a deep relationship with him. And it impacts all areas of his life, his career, his relationships. And so I'm excited to learn more about that perspective on here, but back to you for more of an overview of let's uh, yeah. What did you major in, in college? <laughs> and what was yeah. your first job? Excellent. Actually, if, if, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll start the context a little bit before college because we'll set the stage for, sure. I think, some of the conversation that we're going to have. Um, so I grew up in Northern Virginia. Um, and when I was applying to colleges, I was like really set on going to University in North Carolina, Chapel Hill, mainly because it was like it was relatively close to home. I was a huge uh, I was the captain of my varsity basketball team in, in high school. So the allure of like UNC basketball I had a great friend who was going there at the time. And I ended up getting in out of state, which is like really kind of difficult to do. Okay, um, Patrick. And okay. yeah, right. Uh, humble brag right here on the, on the podcast. Um, the basketball team. <laughs> and I, um, but I was applying to a bunch of schools and uh, I remember I was in a, in a drive back. We were in like Connecticut or New York for the holidays that year. And we were in a drive back. And my mom was like, hey, did you apply for that scholarship at Vanderbilt? And I was like, oops, I didn't, but like, I knew that my parents knew about this scholarship. So now I was like pinned. So I literally sat in the back of the car and on my phone on notes at the time, wrote this, you know, kind of application for a scholarship, sent it in like that evening and was like, all right, check the box. Like, I really want to go to UNC, but you know, we'll apply to Vanderbilt for a scholarship. Well, a couple months later in March, like this big fat, like envelope shows up like way before decision time. And I had received what's called a Dean's Award Scholarship to Vanderbilt, which is a full tuition scholarship. And I'm making a signal that is a crown on your head. (laughs) Any audio only people. (laughs) And uh, yeah, stream of the college applications. Well, it was a pretty kind of crazy thing because when I went, uh, so I ended up going to Vanderbilt. Obviously, that was the tipping factor. Um, even struggle, even though I kind of struggled with that decision, so I was like so bent on UNC, um, but it just feel like God really ordered my steps to Vandy, mm-hmm. and that was like on the first big life event where I really felt like His hand was on my life and kind of moving me in the right direction because Vandy ended up being the best decision I could have made, mm-hmm. um, just for me socially, academically, um, relationally. Like it was just an amazing kind of experience, and um, would not have like really pushed me to the limit to go there unless He had provided some sort of crazy financial situation which he did and um to this day i have not met a single person from vanderbilt who has received the same scholarship it's like that you can't apply for it it doesn't exist it was just like uh, it's called a dean's award so maybe the dean like saw my application and was like this guy should go to vandy um <laughs> so we could only uh, assume <laughs> yeah right so um just kind of a, setting that context is, is kind of important just because like that, that was kind of the beginning. And my faith journey in, in high school, when I came to know Jesus, was really um, um, at that point in time when I got into Vanderbilt had really become a difficult path. Um, I just had a lot of hurts and wounds from relationships and otherwise as it relates to the church and kind of was very disenfranchised with the evangelical church in general at that point in time. And I never really waned in my faith, but then when I got to college, I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to pursue some of the things that I was pursuing in, in, in high school. Now it'll become relevant 
um, as the conversation dialogue um, continues, but I wanted to set that, that context because when I was going out early on in my career, so I, I spent, um, so the next piece of, of the equation was I went and worked for Booz Allen Hamilton for two years out of college as a consultant in their civil commercial practice. So was working with government agencies, consulting them on a wide range of things, uh, huge um, IT management project. And then about two years into that, um, um, I ended up making a move. My dad was starting a cybersecurity company here in the DC area called Nehemiah Security. So obviously coming from a faith perspective um, and they were really well funded by a family office and had a growth by acquisition strategy. And so I joined Nehemiah to help them um, find companies to buy and then roll them up and then operationalize them and, and kind of integrate them together and then kind of build a product off of that. So I did the corporate development side, which had me working on M&A transactions and working with the uh, VC and private equity community. And then also on the back end was doing operations for the venture. So like, you know, helping the business with its systems and processes and recruiting and all that scale. Um, and that was a huge move for me. And again, we can get more into this, but that was a big piece of where my heart started to shift back towards Jesus um, and started to, God started to do some things in my life, which were really clear that he was moving me in the right direction. And fast forward four or five years later, we are in the summer of 2020 and we're um, trying to sell the business. I just really felt called um, that once this chapter was done, that I was going to start my own business. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what that was going to be, but I just knew um, in my spirit that that's what God wanted me to do. And so, um, I, we sold the company, I had an interview with the, the CEO where, of the acquiring company where I basically was told him like, hey man, I'm sorry, like, I just feel like this is a good time for me to start my business. And he was, he's like, you know, he's a CEO of a, of a private equity backed company. He's like, okay, so what are you gonna do? Like, what's your business plan? And I was like, ooh, uh, don't really know. <laughs> I mean, it was like an interesting conversation to have with somebody um, when you're like saying no to a cool job for, for what I didn't really know was coming. Um, and then I, I eventually started consulting with early stage businesses, um, businesses that are trying to make an impact on the world on what it looks like to raise fundraising. And that's when I started Keystone Collective, which is my consulting business. And then I um, feel like this is a long way of saying, now, as of this month, uh, I just launched a local angel network with a bunch of investors who are looking to invest in mission-focused and mission-driven founders around the world. Um, uh, entrepreneurs who are passionate about their mission and what they're doing um, and uh, here locally in DC. And so my role has kind of shifted to now serving investors and helping them find the right entrepreneurs to partner with. Um, so it's been a bit of a, of a, of a roller coaster ride, but um, a, pretty, a pretty cool one, if I have to say so myself. I would second that. I mean, I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> All these crazy things that you've done. I mean, especially the experience that you talked about with Nehemiah Security. I said that right, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, of how much experience you got from so many different angles in the M&A process and operations. And it's uh, no mystery to me how you've turned into a talented uh, consultant for startups as well. But more on the faith side of things, how did you 
<laughs> before I ask my next question, actually, uh, I just thought when you were telling the part of your story where you felt in your spirit that God wanted you to start a business, but you didn't know what it was. And you had to say to a CEO, well, I don't have the business plan. And according to the world standards, like this is maybe you would say humbling, or I don't have it all put together. Um, and I thought, wow, doesn't God work that way? Which is a big misconception I would like to talk about uh, later on of um, how I grew up under this misconception that if you're going to hear from God, it's going to be something specific, directions that make it all clear and some uh, something that you could put a lot of your feeling of security in like this actually ironically doesn't require trust and faith from me because it's this whole roadmap and I see where it's going to lead and I'm signing off like, yeah, cool. Thanks for the instructions, God. But actually um, from my perspective and my biblical studies, it seems like God rarely gives the whole roadmap. It's either just a few steps or it's a vague go it's like what he said to abraham in genesis chapter 12 go set out for a country that he would show him down the road mm -hmm. and just, what are your thoughts on that of god having the expectation that god is going to always speak very specifically yeah yeah i mean i think if god were to tell us a plan in detail we would trust in the plan and not in the person of who god is and it comes down to as simple as as simple as that right like he wants a relationship with us and he wants us to put our trust and our hope in him and who mm -hmm. he is and that he will sustain us and develop us and grow us and get us to where he wants us to go and that it's going to be good um that the story is good um mm -hmm. i think that that requires trust in a relationship and without that um if it was all just kind of planned out for us we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to develop that way so yeah 100 percent agree that it's almost never a step-by-step -step plan for you to go execute and more of an open-ended adventure to um, partner with him on. Whoa, I feel like actually editing the podcast so I put that little snippet on loop and in slow-mo <laughs> <laughs> and maybe like distort your voice for comedic effects to really get it in people's minds. So that was such a nugget of wisdom. Yeah, um, and how... I guess more generally, have you cultivated that communication with the spirit? Yeah, yeah. So contextually, I think the reason why I said I talked about kind of how I was really disenfranchised with the church and never really walked away from my faith, but really walked away from my walk, maybe is a good way to put it, um, was because when I when I arrived at Nehemiah Security, um, instead of uh, we made the the wise decision of instead of me working directly for my dad, I worked for his business partner. His name was Todd, and uh, Todd was uh, is is still a, a, like a strong believer, mentor, um, really walks with Jesus, and um, to it, he introduced me to the concept of something called inner healing prayer, and effectively what that is is just replacing lies that we've believed about ourselves, others, the world, or God with, and then and going through a process of forgiveness, and then replacing those lies with, with truth. And he kind of introduced me to this world that he was engaging in and really just in communication and a relationship with the spirit. And, and while I started working from him and learning from him in a business perspective, he's, I started learning from him in a spiritual perspective. And so for, for, for a little bit of an example, like 
by the end of our time at Nehemiah, like we'd have these weekly tag ups and like we'd spend like 15 minutes on work and like 45 minutes on what's the spirit doing, things going on in my life. And, and so he was effectively, without saying it or formalizing it, he was effectively discipling me. And one of the, the key pieces of that equation was Todd was extremely patient with me. Um, like I would sometimes, you know, again, I was kind of, I, I, I was building my faith and God was building his faith in my heart, but I wasn't, wasn't really walking with Jesus in the way that I was like, you know, living that out in my world. Um, and so I, I'd sometimes come on the weekends with these kind of crazy stories about what I was up to just to kind of see like, Hey, like, let's just see, like, is, is this guy going to be the guy who's going to be like, no, you need to repent and you need to stop what you're up to. And he never did. He was super patient. Uh, he was super patient with me. He never put pressure on me. And what I learned through my relationship with him was that actually is how God saw me, that he just wanted to kind of be with me. He wanted to care about me. He wanted to be in a relationship with me and he was willing to suspend some judgment of rules or regulations or things that he wanted me to do to, for me to get to know him better. And so as I was started to your question, that sort of healing prayer and that relationship I had with Todd started to cultivate an understanding in my heart that God was who he said he was and he really did care about me. And then that led to me trusting him to make decisions that were going to be pretty hard. So God kind of started overturning these rocks in my heart. Um, and so as I became closer with him and became to trust him, well, then my communication with the spirit started to grow. And I started to say things like, well, if God was going to meet me in that moment um, when I needed healing or perspective or wanted to hear his voice and what he thought about me, well, maybe he'll start talking to me about my work or like my relationships or walking down the street or like about the world at large. And so then I started just kind of doing it, just kind of communicating with the spirit in my own, in my own way. Um, and that just kind of exploded all over my life and I ended up meeting people and learning new things and kind of getting into community communities where people are exploring things like this. And then, um, you know, as of late, I've kind of even expanded on the contemplative traditions uh, of, of silence and listening, especially with the, the kind of the ancient mystics and some of their their perspectives on listening and hearing from the spirit and so that cultivation i guess in, in summary was really just built in a relationship but it was a relationship where god god entered my heart and started to rearrange some things so that i could actually trust what his voice was saying before kind of growing in that sort of communication if that makes sense yeah how <laughs> one of the questions i always especially as i was I still, well, I almost said when I was earlier on in hearing from the spirit, uh, no, I still feel like I'm very early <laughs> on and, um, and getting more into a consistent communication with God. One of the biggest questions I always have when I hear from people with a testimony like yours is how the heck do you tell from your own thoughts from, uh, or your own thoughts versus words from the spirit? Yeah, I mean, great question. I think this is the question that we all wrestle with when we're in something as subjective as like, how do you hear from the Holy Spirit? Um, I think, well, I'd, I'd caveat my response by saying, I'm not an expert. It's not a hard science. Like um, your your situation might be a lot different. Um, I, you know, I do, I, I lead an intercounting prayer team at my church here in DC. Um, and so I, I actually have prayed with dozens of people 
um, and and kind of experience different ways of how they hear. So a lot of these, a lot of these things I'll offer are probably generally true, but not always true. Um, and also one of the hard things about this whole space that I'll say in a caveat is like it, it requires making mistakes or the willingness to accept that you will make mistakes, which um, can be really hard, especially in communities where we've entered into like very black and white thinking and really uh, trying to do the right thing. Like relationship is, can be messy and can be up and down and we're gonna make some mistakes. And I think God knows that. So with all these caveats here, here are a few things that I think have been, have been super helpful for me. One um, is just understand that people hear God's voice in different ways. And so like you kind of have to know yourself well enough to know the type of ways that he's, he speaks to you, um, whether it's just like audibly, some people like actually hear a voice. Some people, it's just like a thought kind of rising up. Some people see images or pictures. Um, some people feel or sense. It's just like a feeling in their body that they get. Um, I've heard of folks being like hearing through creative expressions. So they'll go paint or play music or something like that. And that's what really opens up that space for them. So I think how do you distinguish between God's voice and your own voice is you kind of have to do it and find the ways that he communicates with you really well. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I've taught people is um, that I usually say first thing that comes to mind is usually the right thing. Not always, but usually. And the reason why I say that is because if you sit there and you think about it too long, you're moving from your heart or your spirit to your head. And once you move it to your head, you're going to analyze it, cut it, put your own thoughts on top of it. Yeah. And that's generally where people get mess messed up is they they move to their head way too quick. Um, and so I usually say, let's just trust and believe that it's the first thing. And for me, that's generally been true. Like the first thing has been the most um, close to what God was, was saying to me. Um, to be told through time. Yeah. Yeah. How it all pans out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that, that gets to my next thing, which is like, yeah, does it, is it rain true? Like, do you, are you, do you keep hearing it consistently? Is it something that's happening over time? Like not just in a single moment or an emotional flash in a pan, like this is something mm -hmm. that you're really resonating with. I also think if you're resonating with it and others who are walking with you are resonating with it. So get a cloud of witnesses that are praying on your behalf mm -hmm. and have them test it. Um, I think for, for those of us who are Christian, which I'm imagining is most of the people listening to your podcast, um, this one rings true, which is really, does it align with scripture? Can you, mm -hmm. does it align with what the Bible says? I think that's a good yeah. check. And then, um, yeah, if, I if think I can just add one thing toward that. I've always found helpful when we're mentioning, does it align with the Bible or does, does scripture talk about this? I actually rarely found circumstances in my life where, I mean, let's put dating, for example. I know that mm. Christians love to throw around like, well, the, it was a, I, it wasn't, uh, dating wasn't a part of society when the Bible was written. Right. So you're not going to find specific advice in there. And so circumstances like that, where you're like, well, what do you mean, Patrick? I, I don't see in verse, whatever advice about my situation rather I've found in this is never a quick fix. Again, everything is about a relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And so as you make a daily practice of studying the word and communing with God through that, you get to know his character. So the question that I've more centered myself towards is, does this 
sound like a, I'm a very auditory, so I use words like that, words like that, but um, does this sound like a decision God would make given what I know about his character mm. and what he likes and what he doesn't like and where he loves our heart to be, what are, he wants our hearts to be aligned with, who he wants me to become, uh, what qualities he wants to cultivate in me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it just goes to more like spiritual formation questions when I'm making some kind of um, decision. Who would I become by going down this path? Yeah. What would this encourage in me? And then uh, what you were sharing about like the first of um, overanalyzing and paying attention to your first thoughts, because maybe they're more really from the spirit rather than from your head. Uh, I uh, always, <laughs> I really love to just run with a thought from yeah. the Lord and say, oh, well, okay, got it. Got this image or this, this directive these are all of the other million things that must mean. And I create all the details to where it almost becomes a completely distorted picture. And so just rather than letting my mind go like wildfire elsewhere with the thought of, oh, that must be from the spirit. All right, Lord, would you interpret what this means for me? Mm. What, tell me more about what that means. Yeah. What do you want me to know? Or what do you want me to do with this? But you were going to share another thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. I mean, that's 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 kind of the next thing I was going to share. So when I say rooted in scripture, I really mean like it's not si- like explicitly sinful. You know what I mean? Like I don't I think you know if God told you to go uh, steal something or murder somebody, like let's let's ground that and what's what we know is true about His character, which we learn through His Word, right? So very similar. I think the phrase that I would put to what you're talking about is in a question that I ask myself is, is it life giving? Mm-hmm. And that just works for me because it helps root me in like, is this, is this moving me towards a relationship with him and others in a positive way? Is this, um, is this going to like help me grow or make me step out in faith? Um, it's less about, is this right or wrong or good or bad or hard or easy? And more about, is this going to bring life in some way, shape or form? Which I think is what you're getting at. Like, is this grounded in the character of God? Cause God might ask you to do something hard, um, but, but we'll definitely not ask you to do something that's going to like hurt you or hurt, uh, you know, explicitly hurt others. Um, yeah. and so I think asking that question is a good check as well. Yeah. That's just my way of reiterating what you just, what you just said. Uh, also listen to me, you were going to bring that point home. Just great. So I did not need to assert my own thoughts, but, um, <laughs> I am curious about any seasons in, uh, particularly discerning career decisions mm-hmm. with the spirit have, a lot of your career decisions been, well, how do I ask this? Okay. I'm kind of curious about how many or how much of your decision-making really just feels logical. Like, Hey, this is going to be good. I'm just going to do it versus how much do you wait for God to speak? Mm -hmm. I guess, what's your expectation around that? Because I have found that a lot of us, um, in order to make the world more easy to understand and black and white, we go to extremes of, I won't do anything until I hear from the spirit or hear from God, or uh, uh, I can't trust any of that. That's just emotional riffraff. I'm going to make all of it logical uh, Mm. and just my own direction. 
Yeah, yeah, we do tend to fall on one or two, one of two ends of the spectrum. Um, I personally believe that um, the way the walk, uh, walking with Jesus as his disciples means walking in tension. So to kind of answer your question really shortly and bluntly, it's a little bit of both. Uh, I tend to just because of how God kind of crashed his way in back into my life, I tend to, especially over the last few years, lean on what am I hearing and like, where is God leading me? Because that's really done me really well over the last few years. And so my work is to move more into and get more comfortable with like, how is God working through my desires, my passions, my thoughts and ideas, which he might be planting in me or otherwise like are just part of who I am um, and getting really comfortable with like kind of moving in that way versus for other people, it is taking a step back and like going, huh? Like, I hope, I wonder if I should be listening more or submitting more to whatever God is saying. So it, it kind of depends on the person, but I do believe it is attention and a balance and, and um, yeah, it, it requires surrendering, like knowing, surrendering, surrendering, knowing it all and instead walking in relationship, which is, I guess, kind of becoming the theme of our conversation so far. I love, I love <laughs> the theme because I mean, our life ultimately needs to come down to principles and themes, i.e. Bible's great place to find those out uh, in order for us to process it because otherwise the world is too complex and it's actually not helpful for us to always live in the gray area just as it is not helpful for us to always live in black and white. Like you're mentioning, and I love that you said this, is that a walk with Jesus is one that you're appreciating the tension. You're walking in tension um, because... <laughs> Every day that I study the Bible more, I realize that uh, you could cherry pick certain parts and it seems like, yay, God is giving us an absolute, whether that's actually something that makes you more comfortable or it's an uncomfortable truth. But then you'll see other passages, like if you read as they're meant to be read, the three pieces of, uh, what are they called? Like the wisdom literature that is Proverbs. Ecclesiastes and Job, those are actually the three that are meant to be understood in sync with each other because Proverbs makes us think that it appeals to our formulaic desires for uh, formulas for success. If I do this, I will get this and I will be blessed. Yay. And then if I follow Ecclesiastes, it's like, oh, wow. Well, if I just try for formulas for success, really, I missed the whole point because everything under the sun is meaningless. And it's just about enjoying your relationship with God and enjoying the fruits of what he gives you today, because nothing else is guaranteed. And then you go to Job. And in Job, you realize, wait, this man did everything right. And yet he was tested beyond belief beyond belief and everything was taken away from him, all his children, all his family, all his land, his health, everything. And then all of his advisors and his friends try to make sense of that, of you must have done something wrong in order to deserve this. They were trying to go to the formulaic stuff in Proverbs. But then as Job is like, yeah, God, what the heck? I didn't do anything wrong. Read chapters 30, I think it's 36 through 40 or something in Job. And that to me, that little chunk of scripture has helped me understand the Christian life more than most things. 
because ultimately you get to that big monologue. It's the biggest monologue that God ever is recorded in scripture where God says, how are you to know anything? Were you there when I crafted the skies and the creatures of the deep and the Leviathan and the, like, it's so crazy. It's so Mm -hmm. epic. And so it's like, wait, sit down. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And my ways are higher than your ways. And you as a human will never, ever be able to understand that. So maybe go take another note from Ecclesiastes and stop trying to make meaning out of everything and just follow me and realize that I'm God. But then also, sorry, I'm going on such a, a tangent here, but I just, what I've taken from a lot of that is I have to lit the way I guess the only way that I have found it helpful to live is to, in my days, act as if everything is up to me, Mm. but then sleep like everything was up to God and everything is designed by God and I'm completely held by him because otherwise he would go crazy. And if I only thought that I was a puppet on strings, I wouldn't do a single good thing in my life. Right, right. Yeah. (laughs) I'll pause and just ask, like, what is your response to that or thoughts um, off of those? uh, Well, what's what strikes me about the wisdom literature is that they were uh, it was it was written and penned by the Jewish people who contextually were people that knew what it was like to wrestle with tension and live in tension. Um, They used to talk about how the synagogues were always a place of fierce debate, right, that they were always asking questions instead of trying to find the answers Mm -hmm. and so the wisdom literature really doesn't give you any very many answers right like proverbs um uh, one of my teachers talks about proverbs as something that's uh generally true sayings about the world because if you can take if you take them literally there's some of them are kind of wild like kind of wild in there um and so like they, they they knew that they were using these as tools with which to understand the world but not as um, rules and regulations with which to like move about their lives. And so I think, and, and understanding that like, this is a Jewish people that knew what it was like to suffer deeply. Um, I have a, a, the, the same teacher. Uh, I don't think he, like, I think he's, he, he mentions this theory just to like, kind of get your brain going. Are you talking but, about Marty Solomon? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Any <laughs> Bama, actually, I'm going to shout out Oliver, my friend, if you were listening to this, Patrick knows Marty Solomon personally. <laughs> where I have a bunch of friends that were all obsessed with the Baymod Discipleship okay. podcast. So anyway, continue. Yeah, no, well, I mean, shout out to Marty. He's an, he's an unbelievable guy and what he's doing about kind of breaking open. It's just, it, I mean, in, in conjunction with a lot of the things that I was learning from Todd, Marty's teachings really were the scriptural, um, like the scripture in my heart kind of met it was like the scriptural realities of what I was learning in my heart with the spirit. And so mm-hmm. I love his teachings and, um, and, and yeah, I mean, he, the, what I was going to say is one of his theories, or I don't think it's his theory, but one that he talks about is like that. Some people think that Job was not one of the first and oldest books of the Bible, but it's actually was written to the, um, was written during the Babylonian exile to a people mm-hmm. in suffering. And so again, it's it's just it's just example exemplary of a, a people who knew how it was to struggle and, and walk in tension. Fast forward to where we are today, and I'm sure Kelsey, you can speak even more to this. A lot, a lot of people that you work with, 
but we're the, the church is not good at operating in tension and gray area and no, we're not interested questions. in that at we're all in we, the we want the answers right yeah whether they're theological or practical like we want to know and unfortunately i, I just feel like with the more i get to know jesus in the bible the more um, i feel like jesus is less interested in that um yeah. so yeah i think that, that that's that I'm, I'm i'm with you and and how that wisdom literature can be applied to really understanding what it's like to walk in faith and, and stay in that gray area yeah gosh yeah this is again why we need running partners in our spiritual race in this mm-hmm. life we need mentors and discipleship um among peers and mentors, just because I'll say last week, well, this last month has been the craziest up and down. I've been praying for some big things uh, in business. And I was so confused as to why it felt like the results weren't making sense. I'll share quite openly. Uh, I was like, should I, should I? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> so um, I have gotten more uh, potential clients reach out to me than ever. I'm talking three to four times the average of uh, potential clients coming in and uh, requesting like a consultation call. And I generally know like the kind of acceptance rate of what pans out and turns into a client relationship. And uh, none of the numbers made sense. And it felt like God was cursing me and I got really angry. Like Mm -hmm. I got it felt like it didn't make sense to the extent that I would hop off a bunch of calls with people. And it felt like, wow, that went so well. And they were, I'm not making anything up. They're like, wow, I'm so interested. This sounds great. I have no objections. And then they would get a random job offer out of nowhere. And they're like, great, I don't need it. And then I'm like, I'm so happy for you. That's amazing. Or others like a life circumstance would come up or I would just get ghosted. And it resulted in me feeling like, God, if this is, this should be my most prosperous, easy time in business ever. (laughs) And it's all no's that freaks me out a lot. Are you trying to drive me out of this? Like, do you not want me to do this anymore? Like big questioning. And that has been over the last seven weeks. And then last week it was yeses out of the wazoo. Like people I hadn't spoken to in months were like, yeah, okay, what's up? I'm ready, like, painful. Can I work with you, please? And <laughs> I had my best week in business that I've ever had in the last almost four years. And I was shocked. Like, last night, I, I was just praising the Lord and so overcome with his provision. But I met with my, uh, like, two mentors and asked, like, I want to be very careful with my interpretation of what happened. Because I analyze my week and I'm like, well, I was being kind of tight handed with God and I wasn't being generous. And I think he was trying to teach me something about being generous and trusting him. And even when I was really frustrated, he put two people in my path to, uh, I I helped them in a big way, like charitable ways. And then immediately after this huge windfall came, Mm. but I thought, wait, that's a trap that's a trap. I, that's not who I know God to be. I don't think that he wants to incentivize me treating him like a piggy mink where I like manipulate charitable tasks to get blessings from him. And so anyway, just to kind of speak towards 
uh, or underscoring your point of advisors, especially as we're on this topic of deepening your relationship with God and hearing from the spirit and making decisions that are in step with him. If we go back to my question about how do you make sure that you're not just making stuff up Mm. and going back into the Western thought of, I want to make everything a success formula. It's very hard to do that alone. And that's not what God intended. So they were, I was very grateful. They were able to speak into that. And I just turned back to um, Genesis chapter 15, verse one was highlight. Like I felt God highlighting that to me again. Uh, It says, God is saying to Abraham, I am your shield, your very great reward. Mm. I am the reward here. Yeah. Um, it isn't, isn't right after that when he sells Abraham to make a covenant mm-hmm. and then they, Abraham like kind of gets all the animals ready and then he realizes like, oh crap, I can't hold up my end of the bargain. I can't. And God walks through on his behalf. Yes. Um, and so I think, can, I think that, that that was one of the, that, I, that always sticks with me because it's kind of like God saying like, I'm, I'm going to come through for you. You just need to trust and it's not transactional right covenant is, is, a, is a form of a relationship that's not like you give me something i give you something else especially when god walks through on your behalf because you can't even hold up your end of the bargain i can't right so i, I think read uh, hosea that'll give a pretty clear picture of who i am in this relationship <laughs> that's right yeah that absolutely so yeah no i'm, I'm with you that's that's just the character of god on display when he shows you like holy crap like I don't know where my provision is going to come from and it wasn't because of I would argue it wasn't because of anything you did it was just because of who he is and who you are and he wanted to show you that you could trust him right I've obviously when you're uh, anyone who's an entrepreneur is listening and Kelsey for sure you know as an entrepreneur like you learn that lesson seemingly consistently over and over every day every month there's going to be a new lesson like that so um, yeah that's that's a great story I've given up on the, I have arrived feeling. I'm probably going to freak out in like three weeks flat again. Uh, But I pray not. I don't want to make a joke of that. I don't want to be that person. But um, I'm curious about if there are ever times in your walk that it was difficult to obey God's specific guidance in your life and career. And what helped you press through and obey? Or if there was a delay in obedience or denial of obedience, what you learned from that? Mm. Yeah, I think, um, I think all of my biggest breakthroughs have come in a moment of very difficult obedience. Uh, For instance, getting back to the story of like starting, you know, turning down the offer from the acquiring company at Nehemiah and starting my own business. Um, Because I had no idea what it was going to be, or like what I was going to do um, I had to make a choice to go on that path where I was going to financially support myself for f- at least a few months till I figured out like what business to start um, and how to and how to kind of operate in that space. And so to to trust that that was what God wanted for me, um, given the fact that there was a lot of my own money on the line was a big, a big and tough choice. And I've had that kind of that, you know, choices like that, especially like throughout the last few years in like a million different ways. And here's what, here's the conclusion that I've come to. And here's the question that I think it came down to in my mind was, is God who he says he is? 
because if he is and if the stories about him and abraham for instance are are true of his character and if jesus's words if he really meant what he said then i have two choices i can either trust that as true or look at my circumstances and think otherwise um and so i always would kind of put myself in that pickle whenever i was having the difficulty like saying yes to what i felt like god was the direction god was moving i i decided you know especially early on with little things like i was just gonna say okay all right God, I'll, I'll trust you on this one and and we'll see if you come through for me and and he has every time not in the ways that i've expected most usually not in the ways that i've expected or planned but in but it's always been good and it's always been life-giving and so i think i think you know the reason why we don't obey is usually because we don't trust um and if you press in with god in the little things i think he'll show himself worthy to you not because you're trying to test him but just because he wants to prove himself as faithful and trustworthy and then all of a sudden you get to the big things and you're like, okay, I got that list of like 10 little things where God really did show up and it really did work out okay. And it really was good. Now I can make this really, really difficult decision and I can trust him because he's not going to trust you with a decision that big unless you had the, the faith to be able to do it and step into it. Right. Um, yes. So I think, I think all of all, there's been a ton of times where obedience has been difficult, but falling back on like, you know, the basics and asking myself those basic tough questions have always kind of pushed me in the right direction. Yeah. Do I trust that God is who he says he is? That, how do you um, rely on that without going into the prosperity gospel of, because I think it could be easy for some to say, all right, do I trust God that he is who he says he is? that I will get a million dollars and a hot boyfriend and it's going to be great. <laughs> you know, like what, how do you guard your heart from that? Um, when God is who he says he is, and that could mean your time's up mm -hmm. and everybody dies and careers end. Yeah. yeah. How do you handle that? Yeah, I think um, that's, I mean, that's a great question. Uh, there's a lot of thoughts that come to mind. Uh, I think one of the biggest things is I've never, like my understanding of the character of God, when I say is God who he says he is, isn't, my understanding of the character of God isn't a God who is rooted in the prosperity gospel, which is a, which is a transactional relationship. Again, that theme keeps coming up, but prosperity gospel is a transactional relationship. If I'm good enough if I have enough faith, if I do enough on my end, God will do enough on his end. And that's just not how he works. He doesn't work that way through scripture, isn't work that way biblically. And so I guess when I say is who God says he is, like, he loves me. He deeply cares about me. He is very, he is good. Like, that's just who he is, whether we can see it or not. Um, he says that I'm his son and that I'm redeemed, and that I don't stand under any sort of condemnation, like those sort of truths are who, who God is. And if we trust in the story of Jesus, the, in the amazing redemptive arc of history that God is working through right now as we speak, as Jesus says, the kingdom of God is here, like it's happening. If we trust in that, then we don't have to fear like what might happen or what, what, what God might do 
we, we can trust in, in that redemptive arc being an example of how good God is and what his story, what story he's telling. Mm-hmm. And so that doesn't mean that, you know, God ends up giving you a million death, million bucks or a sports car or a, <laughs> he's a hot boyfriend. That yeah, sorry. I was imposing my own employee version of this. I think we know where Kelsey's heart is. Yeah. <laughs> she definitely wants those things. Um, so um wow I was just I know. hopefully, that was, a, hopefully that was a good enough answer though I, 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 that's, oh, a, I, that's such a long you can have a whole we have a whole podcast on that discussion but that was it in a nutshell for me yeah oh man I loved it it just made me want to like do a little war cry and be like dad where is your sting you know <laughs> <laughs> oh god is just maybe, so maybe on the next podcast you can you can work that in Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I'll just make this a recurring meeting. If you let me watch out. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> um, so I need you to tell me the story of <laughs> you and Ariane actually <laughs> in this whole uh, conversation of how God speaks to you and your obedience to him and how he comes through in remarkable ways. You have to tell us the story because yeah. you told me. Totally. It's not over. <laughs> totally yeah so definitely not related to kind of career but in this theme of um this kind of tension between do we hearing god and acting on our own volition um th- this story is kind of a good ex- actually a good example of that so it kind of fits in the narrative but um in in december of 2019 and you might actually there might be some new there's some new details that god has revealed to me about <gasps> this story that that i might not have shared with you it was it six months ago or so so um I'll show them with you now but um I love you and Arianne so much by the way go back to episode I'm talking to the listeners 10 I interviewed Arianne when she was confidential assistant for the treasury uh-huh. in DC now homegirls at Harvard Law School <laughs> what okay anyway go on <laughs> Yeah, she's, I've, I've totally outkicked my coverage, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> but so, so she, um, or, or I was in December of 2019, I went on, and God speaks to me, by the way, one of his love languages to me is, is, is numbers, not because I'm a huge, like, finance guy or math guy, but just because of the patterns and sequences that numbers present, it, like, fascinates me. Um, and you'll, once I tell this story, you'll understand listeners and Kelsey alike. Um, so I went on a, a, a seven day water fast in December of 2019. And I felt like God had me just praying about a bunch of things that were going on in my life at the time. And then seven days later, it's seven and threes for me, right? So seven day water fast, seven days later, he puts me on a dating hiatus, an open-ended dating hiatus. And I was like, I don't know That's what, what I'm, I'm in right now. It's really pissing me off. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> Offline, let's talk because I know all about that frustration because um, that dating hiatus looked, um, lasted for a very long time. In fact, when I went back and looked, it lasted for 473 days on the dot. Okay, so you had the seven in there, four plus seven plus three is 14, 14 divided by two is seven. You have the three, like, I can't make this, this up. 473 days, it's a long long time very open-ended and um you know seven seven days later on april 7th uh i was introduced to arianne on a 
uh, through a mutual friend, Maria Pope, who's a recent podcast guest, right? Maria, okay, I'll have you know that Maria and Ariane and I just recently started a little accountability group where we're meeting up every, whoa, three weeks, which is weird and doesn't make any sense, but that yes. number three. Let's and go. we're, uh, I don't know, I sent out a GCAL invite that said power posse and it had like the three little <laughs> queen emojis in it. I'm, I'm too into it anyway. Well, I mean, I would... I think anybody, anyone who's listening should like try to get tickets to that group of the three of you. I, the, ener- the energy in that room would be like, I mean, it'd be overwhelming for me. Maybe a lot, you know, some people would, would really enjoy that. But the three of you um, kind of yelling at each other in a loving way would be hilarious to, to watch. Um, yeah. So anyways, um, the the so it was April 7th, we got introduced through Maria Pope uh, on, a, on a Google meets meeting networking meeting and at the end of that meeting i i this was like you know i'm gonna ask her out like i have i just got released from this dating hiatus this is the first cute girl wait ask maria wait no no this is arianne yeah okay yeah maria connected you with Uh arianne yes yeah um and so i think okay to wrap it up in the story like yes i was obedient and i believed what god had said and then when I look back at the numbers and stuff, like obviously his handprints were all over it, but like that decision to ask Ariane out, like it wasn't a, one of those decisions where like God told me to, I was acting in my own volition out of my own kind of like desires of my heart. And after the conversation that we had, and I was just attracted to her and I was like, why don't we give this a shot? And so I think it kind of like comes down to like a, like an, like an Acts 15 moment where like it felt right to the spirit and I don't know if you guys know the story it's probably not we probably don't have time for it but the disciples are praying about some decision I forget exactly what it is and um the spirit's like "Hmm, sounds good they're like what like okay and they like kind of make this choice and the spirit's like go ahead and it's like their own you know what I mean like kind of a crazy thing um so we could that's that's probably a conversation for another day but you know, at, at the end of the day, it was my choice to ask her out, my choice to date her, continue to date her. Um, it probably wouldn't make her feel very good if I was like, I'm only dating you because God told me so, right? <laughs> and so like in that tension of dating, it's like, is what I'm, what I'm, what I'm kind of talking about is that tension of like our own volition and our own desires and our own ideas and thoughts and God moving us in the right direction. And yeah, the spirit has been very pro my relationship with Ariane since the beginning, but it's always going to, partially be my choice to continue to date her right and so um not only kind of a crazy story of God's providence and and his kind of hand over it but also a really kind of good example of what we've been talking about I agree wait can you go back to that moment where you felt released to start dating again Uh what was that go-ahead like (laughs) Um, don't have time for the whole thing today, but, um, I was sitting with a mentor at lunch, um, on, it would have been like March 31st or April 1st, right. Cause it was seven days and then April 7th. Right. And he was, he's a former pastor and he was telling me this story about how he used to interact with, um, singles in his church who were trying to do this dating thing. And he was telling this story and it was like, oh man, I just kind of felt like God was like poking at me and we had this long discussion. It was a three hour lunch. Like it lasted that long. 
And I felt like God in that moment, I remember sitting at the table going, um, Doug, I think, I think God's releasing me from this. And he goes, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's definitely what's happening. But anyways, like, and he just keeps going and it's just kind of the way he is. Like he, he's like, and I was like, Holy crap. Like, so it was in, in conversation, in relationship with like a mentor and friend of mine where all these, all these different pieces just fell together. And I just kind of knew that I was released and I was like, wow, that happened in an instant. Like that's pretty wild. Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's that story. Oh, okay. I need to like regulate my breathing more. I love that story <laughs> so much. And oh, what an example. Okay. Closing statements. Anything yeah. that you want to underscore or reiterate from our conversation or just give like final encouragement to the listeners as they explore this topic in their own lives? Yeah, totally. So I, I actually, in, a, in the theme of listening to the spirit, I prayed over this one. And I did get something, so I'll share it with you. I have some notes here, so I might look down to like make sure I'm communicating this correctly. But um, then this kind of connects to your story too about about the about the kind of dry spell of clients and then the in, and then the, the like inflow. Um, I felt like I felt like I feel like most of us, including myself, I'm gonna use us in this because of all of us who are high performing and are really trying to make the most of our lives and our career. We really need to understand that our worth isn't rooted in performance, accomplishment, or success. Um, it's not rooted in what we do. God's love for us isn't based on how productive we are or how well our businesses do. Um, his worth is, is based in who, who we are as people and who he says we are. And if you're walking with the spirit, we're really called to rest and to be with him and to receive. And that's Jesus's whole point. In, in, the, in the gospel of John, when he says, you remain in me, remain in the vine. You can't do anything without me. Like this, this and that's a, I mean, a huge portion of what he's saying. And in that chiastic structure, like he gets to that point. And so um, I really felt like that was something to share with people who are listening. And, and so I also had last week, this is something I learned last week. I was kind of meditating over a Psalm 4610, which is be still and know that I am God. And I, I, I ran across another translation in the NASB, which was seize striving and know that I am God. And so then given my background in kind of studying the Jew, studying the scriptures from an ancient Jewish context, I was like, I got to go look at the Hebrew here. And the Hebrew translation is actually only three words. And I'm going to get, I'm gonna, anyone down here who knows Hebrew, I'm sorry, I'm going to botch this, but it's Rafa Yada Elohim. And I know Rafa, yeah, and you <laughs> that probably word know in Elohim every too. freaking sermon on marriage, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so here we go. Like you, you nailed it. So Rafa is really to to relax or to sink. I, I think the the like the way that they talk about it in the in 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 Strong's accordance is like it's like letting a line sink in the ground. Like you let the you let the like the line sink if you're fishing. So it's like to let go, basically to relax. Yada is, is, is what I would call an experiential knowing. It's like Adam knew his wife. It's the same word. Um, and it's a knowing, like a se- almost a sexual knowing. And Elohim is God. And so in the Patrick translation of oh. Psalm 46, 10, it's, you know, it's really like relax, let go, stop performing. And you'll expert, ex- experientially know me as God and who I am. And so I think sometimes as big performers, we just need to be. And if we be, we will know him 
like really experience his love for us. Um, and so I felt like that was a message for all you high performing folks like myself out there. What a gift. Oh my gosh. I will subscribe to the Patrick translation anytime <laughs> that you send out a newsletter. Um, also, don't mind me as I forevermore sign off my emails with the let go and let God. <laughs> Patrick, thank you so much for this time together and um, for how much you blessed us with the wisdom that um, the Spirit has fed to you in your walk with God. And um, yeah, I just thank you so much for that. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for all the work you're doing with um, with folks helping them find their their really their calling and their vocation and and really through that knowing him more it's so needed and there's so many of us and the kingdom of god um, is on the move and he wants to partner with folks and you help people understand how god wants to partner with them so thank you for the work you're doing as well and it was a pleasure to be on here and have another one of our awesome conversations <laughs> i feel like i always ineloquently finish these podcasts with like some form of like grunting or like screaming like wow like just so <laughs> like overjoyed with the conversation hey i meant what i said at the beginning of the episode if you're left with any questions or are in need of encouragement in your faith and just want a partner to talk that through with i am always available and would love to hear from you on Kel at instagram wait on instagram let's go with that at kelsey underscore the called career and in terms of a career coaching capacity if you would like to work with me to get your career strategy and that sense of calling and vision in place you could apply for one of my one-on-one -on -one coaching spots for high-performing Christian professionals who are interested in making a meaningful career move in the next three to six months. Whether that's landing a job at a company you admire or pivoting into a new career path altogether, whatever it is, you could head over to my website and apply for a free 60-minute career strategy session with me at kelseykemp.com services. That link as you guessed, is in the show notes. This program is selective and the spots are limited, but I encourage you to go check it out if that feels like it would be the service that you need right now. You could also always follow along with my free career tips and behind the scenes stuff when you follow along with me on Instagram or on LinkedIn either works. And if this episode impacted you, don't forget to tag me and leave a kind and quick rating and review. You know, I appreciate that so much. And I hope that you have an awesome week. I will see you this time, this place next week on Answer the Call.